You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Well, on this morning's show, I have two special guests that I'm sure you'll want to hear from. Now, later on in the hour, we're going to talk about the increasing and alarming problem of having too few officials, refs, and umpires to work our kids' high school games. And as you know, we've been talking about this issue for, well, for some time now. And to me, there are really sort of two distinct parts of this problem. Number one is, why? What's the cause? Is it just because most refs and umps are older people in their 60s and 70s and who do this just because they want to stay close to the game and make a little extra pocket money? Why are there so few newcomers coming into the fold? And how much of a concern is the threat of of verbal and physical abuse from sports parents to the refs and officials? And number two, what is both the immediate as well as long-range solution to this issue? That is, how, how do athletic directors and state administrators cope with the current shortage of refs? And what is the future going to look like? That is, how do we get more sports fans to sign up as referees or umpires? So I, I went right to the source on this. Barry Mano is the longtime executive director of the National Association of Sports Officials in this country. He's been on my show a few times in the past, and he is clearly at the epicenter of what's going on, not just here, but all over the United States. But first up, the last two Sports Ed shows focused on mental health and our athletes. And we talked about how key communication is when someone is in distress. And to that end, I've heard that the 988 phone number has made an immediate and positive impact on saving lives. And as far as college and and high school athletes are concerned, well, there's a new app that you need to know about that allows a youngster to track their mental health and other concerns on a daily basis. Eric Poldrew, who is a former college athlete himself, is the co-founder of The Zone, and he'll be along in a few minutes to talk about this new app with me and what you need to know as a sports parent and coach. All that and more right here on this morning's Sports Edge. I'll be back with more after this short timeout. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? 
Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. My first guest this morning is a bright and enterprising young former college student athlete named Eric Podrew. In the last two shows I've done on The Fan in which I was talking about new ways that athletes can do more to gain control of their mental health. I mentioned a, a new app called The Zone, which was specifically designed to focus on athletes and their mental health on a regular daily basis. Now, Eric is the co-founder of The Zone, and he joins me this morning to talk about this new app and how it works and how everything a college athlete, parent, and coach needs to know about this. Eric, good morning. Let's let's start with the story about your own background as an athlete. Absolutely, Rick. Thank you for having me this morning. You know, sure. my background really comes from growing up in a single mom household, um, you know, here in New York City. And there was always some mental health struggle um, that I always had with a little sister that I didn't feel until, you know, I got to the collegiate level. And being a college baseball player and a, and a team captain, you're definitely sort of conditioned in this way to – not always open up about what you're dealing with, right? You know, there's a stigma still. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be really hard to open up to your teammates or coaches about some of the things that you're dealing with just mm-hmm. because, one, you don't want to let them down. Uh, but, two, you know, you don't want to be labeled as not being able to get the job done. And, you know, when it came to being that collegiate athlete, I definitely struggled in silence at times. And we really just wanted to create a way with, where athletes can, one, check in with themselves, um, get resources that they need in real time, whether it's mental health, nutrition, uh, transitioning for life after sports, um, and just really provide athletes with something that we wish we had when we were collegiate athletes, you know, back in uh, 2011 to 2015. Well, let me just, in fact, I was going to ask you about that, Eric, because uh, I, I believe you're in your late 20s, correct? Is that right? Correct. Yes, sir. So there's sort of a, a, a generational uh, gap here because uh, when I was growing up and uh, you wanted to be a ball player myself in college and maybe play pro ball as well, again, as it's been well sort of documented, there was absolutely not only was there no way to ever reach out to uh, a psychology coach or to talk to uh, just a, a, an everyday uh, you know regular coach or to talk to somebody about the concerns, troubles, uh, ups and downs of, of playing a very difficult sport. You know, now, in, in addition to that, the fact is it was looked down upon. If you ever mm-hmm. went, or the word got out to 
to coaches or to scouts that uh, one of your players is looking for some psychological help or counseling. I mean, that was just held against that kid. So you just sort of keep it, you sort of basically um, bottle it up. Uh, you can you know, talk to your, you know, your, your family about your issues, but beyond that, nobody else. So Absolutely. And you wanted to play, you know, at, at Concordia College, uh, which you know, I can personally attest to over the years has been just, it, although it's been, it was been a small, small, uh, you know, undergraduate enrollment, it, it's just been a powerhouse when it comes to baseball programs. Tell me about what happened uh, when you got to Concordia. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when I was, you know, when I first transitioned to Concordia, uh, just being away from home was definitely a transition in itself, right? You're coming in at 18 years old. Um, you're, you're adjusting to the lifestyle on campus, uh, but really just the workload that's immediately put on your plate as a student athlete, right? When it mm-hmm. comes to balancing school, uh, sports, you want to, you know, maintain a personal life and, and be social as well. Sometimes there's just not enough time in the day. And, you know, Concordia, of course, being a Division two school, you know, while they definitely care a lot about their athletes, sometimes, you know, you don't have a psychologist or a counselor on campus all the time that's regularly available. Um, and sometimes you're just often left to just c- cope with things on your own um, and just deal with it, you know, individually. So, you know, my, my experience at Concordia was tremendous. Um, I was a uh, four-year outfielder, um, four-year starter, and, and team captain. It was such a rewarding experience once I was able to kind of get through the, some of these mental health struggles. But, you know, in the beginning, undoubtedly, it was a, it was a huge transition just to balance all of the, the school and sports itself. I mean, 40 hours a week just to baseball. Yep. Um, and then you're adding lifts and study hall, and then your classes being a business major. It could be very overwhelming and um, you know, it could be a huge burden at times. Yeah, and, and you know, I just want to come back and uh, sort of echo that, uh, Eric, because I think that if there's one major unexpected development uh, for high school athletes, top high school athletes who go on to want to compete at the collegiate level, no matter what sport they're playing, uh, the fact is the, the amount of time, the commitment that goes in to being on that college team uh, is something that most kids, I don't think, are really anticipate. In other words, these are kids, of course, who may have played, uh, in high, well, have certainly played in high school, but high school practices are usually just, you know, maybe five days a week, uh, mm-hmm. and, and they're, you know, you have your games a couple of days, whatever it might be, uh, but the practice sessions are maybe an hour and a half, two hours after school. Yes, a lot of kids, of course, play on travel or club teams, uh, but it's not so much practice there as they are going to tournaments and games, that kind of thing. But... When you get to play in college, well, <laughs> the fact is that that is a full-time job. It is basically, Absolutely. you know, in addition to going to class full-time and trying, if you have to make a few extra bucks on a part-time basis, it's it's a real true commitment. And I do think that sort of lends itself to some of the the, the psychological stress and concerns that, that college athletes, you know, encounter when they go into a, a top program. And again, Concordia... I mean, there's a long list of, of uh, former uh, Concordia players, ball players, who've gone on to uh, the big leagues, going back to the days of Willie Frazier and Scott mm-hmm. Leas and Mike Avalis and all the rest. I mean, it, it's been a powerhouse. So when you get to Concordia, yeah, now, of course, you're going to his college, you're away from home, uh, and so on and so forth, but you go to a class, there's expectations, and, of course, you're feeling you know, pressure to, to perform on, on the baseball field. It's, it's hard. So Absolutely. 
So tell me, how did you evolve this idea, this concept of doing an app about uh, the zone and, and mental health? Yeah, I mean, it really just stems from our whole team. You know, we're former student athletes. Um, my co-founder, Ivan, as well as our head of product, Janae, who's also a co-founder, you know, we were student athletes that dealt with, you know, our own individual struggles. You know, Ivan had a career-ending knee injury mm-hmm. that sort of spiraled him, you know, down a dark path when it came to really just an identity crisis as a whole. It became really hard because you put all this time into being an athlete. And then, you know, if you tear an ACL or, or get injured um, at a severe level, you know, it could be taken away from you in a blink of an eye. And, you know, sometimes it's not that easy to, you know, transition out once you have put all your, you know, all your time into your respective sport. And for me, I definitely dealt with sort of the day-to-day struggles that athletes might deal with, as I mentioned, when it came to balancing school and sports and just anxiety as a whole, overthinking. And, you know, once you start to put that additional stress on yourself, if you don't have the proper coping mechanisms um, or resiliency training, you know, you can really spiral out of control because of all the time commitment that's needed. Um, and it just can get very difficult. So, you know, we created the zone because we personally lived through it and we wanted to just give away for athletes to check in with themselves, uh, but get personalized resources that are really tailored for them, um, you know, from the app experience. But on the other side, we also created a, a connective tissue um, within our software where uh, coaches, athletic trainers, psychologists and administrators within the athletic program, they could have a really nice understanding of what's going on with the team as a whole uh, because they're able to get aggregated data. So, for example, you know, 75% of the baseball team is overwhelmed due to academics this week. If a head coach is able to go in there and, and be able to see that, one, they can adjust practice time accordingly, maybe allocate more time for study hall, uh, or just open up the door for conversation about, you know, what's going on and how can they be there to support. So we really just wanted to create a software where it's embedded in the athletic program culture. Um, and we're helping not only the student athletes, but creating that additional efficiency for staff as well. So this, you said, oh, I keep hearing the same undercurrent here of, uh, of links, communication, that uh, yep. everybody is sort of connected with their teammates, their coaching staff, other support people. So, Absolutely. I mean, that, that seems like uh, it couldn't be more timely in terms of, of athletes today trying to make sure that if there's a safety net, if things aren't going their way or they're feeling, I don't know, um, disenfranchised, alienated, whatever you want to use the word, the fact is they have an ability, they have the chance to get on, on their phone, go to this app, go to the zone, and check in and, and basically say, I, I, I need some, some guidance and some, some help here. Absolutely. That's exactly the goal, right? Um, communication is one, but really just the access to resources and support on campus is definitely the goal as well, where, you know, athletes never have to worry about where to look again. Um, and they have something in their pocket, whether they're on the road, uh, whether they're getting ready for a big game in the locker room, whether they're, you know, gearing up for a big test. Um, they always have those resources, you know, when they need it and really just make sure that they feel supported and have a re- really a rewarding campus experience on, on campus. Yeah, I, again, this is all new. This is novel. This stuff obviously didn't exist, you know, certainly back when I was in college uh, and obviously even more recently when you were in college. So this is this is sort of a major step forward. Uh, and I, I gather from what you told me in our, our, our previous conversations that the um, 
the response has been unbelievably positive. Uh, I think you said you had something like over 3,000 Division One athletes who, who, who use who use the zone. Is that correct? Correct. So we at the moment we're working with seven universities, um, and we have over three, just about 3,300 uh, D1 and D2 student athletes currently using the platform. So uh, a couple of the schools that we work with are Lehigh, uh, Seton Hill University, Tennessee State, Mercy College, uh, Florida A&M, Alabama A&M, and Alabama State. So definitely a wide array of, of schools, but we're just really excited to just help their wellness culture on campus and, you know, help create an impact, you know, for these schools that need it most, especially coming out of a pandemic. Now, now Eric, before I forget, uh, <laughs> it, it, tell, tell our listeners uh, how they can find more information about this uh, and, and, you know, what are, you know, what's the contact info that the, the people need to know? Absolutely. So you can, everyone can check us out at www.itsthezone.com. Uh, be redirected right to our website. They're able to see, you know, how our wellness platform works. Um, and whoever wants to reach out to me directly via email, my email is E-R-I-K, Eric, at itsthezone.com. You know, I always respond to, you know, messages and, and notes. And for anyone that's looking to, you know, help improve the wellness culture within their school or organization, you know, we're here to do that and, and really help put our best foot forward. I have to ask you, is there a fee involved? I, mean, I gather when you've, you've obviously uh, have a number of top universities who are uh, signing on board, I gather they're paying, you know, uh, the zone for, for that coverage. What about if an individual uh, college athlete or a high school athlete even uh, wants to be involved and be part of the service? How does that work? Yeah, so our I appreciate you bringing that up, Rick. I mean, you know, our goal right now is definitely to work directly with the colleges and universities um, and help their athletic program as a whole. So absolutely, absolutely correct. We uh, work directly with those athletic programs, but our goal ultimately is to be able to provide this for student athletes directly. Um, for those that might want to tap into the app, they always have those resources made for them. Yeah, and I, I again, I, I've seen uh, you know the, the app, and Erica has walked me through it. It's it's pretty it's pretty extensive, uh, and I, I in fact I'm curious uh, what what has been the reaction, the response from the athletes uh, who have gone on and have used the service, uh, and from the coaches. I mean, what, what what kind of response or reaction are you getting to this? Yeah, we the po- response has been tremendous. I mean, we're seeing our athletes um, who are currently in the platform going in three to four times a week. Um, they're getting, they're checking in with themselves. Most importantly, um, getting some resources that are personalized for them, but the coaches and administrators, you know, it's been super helpful for them to just have a pulse check of what their team is going through. I mean, um, if you look at some of the things that are overwhelming students the most when it comes to performance anxiety and just overwhelm the school as it is, right. um, they're able to see that in the dashboard and have been able to proactively, you know, reach out to their teams or, provide additional resources, whether or not their athletes are actually talking about it just because of that stigma. So coaches definitely appreciate seeing what's going on underneath the hood. Uh, but athletes, you know, really feel that they have a personal tool that they can rely on when it comes to their overall mental health and wellness. I mean, is, is this a technology applied to a real issue these days? This sounds just uh, tremendous. Uh, I, you know, I thank you so much. And, and I, I and, and Eric, I gather, as I said before, the, the universities that sign on to work with you. Uh, I mean, at some point, somebody has to pay the bills. So I guess the universities, they're the ones that basically pay you guys, pay the zone to have their athletes, student athletes, uh, have access to to the app. 
but that doesn't extend at this point to individuals. I mean, would, I guess it's sort of contrary to have an individual do this. How, how, how does that weave together? Yeah, so right now we're just working directly um, with the universities and their, and their programs. So at the okay. moment, um, we don't have individual access. However, if there's any folks out there who might want to connect with me offline, you know, we reach out at www.itsthezone.com and um, we can see what we can work out to be able to put our best foot forward. But, you know, at the moment we are working just with the programs and their athletic teams. Yeah, I just looking ahead, uh, I mean, I would think that, um, I mean, I understand right now you're, you're spreading the word uh, with the, quite frankly, the thousands of, of universities out there, but... Um, I could see club teams, uh, travel yep. programs. I could see, oh, yeah. uh, you know, high schools, uh, you know, booster clubs. This is a wonderful, wonderful kind of service that kids today, student athletes today, would uh, we're seeing here. They're they're responding in a big, big way to this. So I, I think that's great. In fact, what 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 is the next step for the zone? I mean, uh, what, what do you what do you see as as uh, down the road in the future for for you guys, your your partners? Yeah, I mean. For sure. You know, over the course of the next year, um, we're looking to partner with anywhere between 25 and 30 universities by next fall um, and then just grow that. You know, our mission is to help, uh, you know, 5 million student athletes um, within the next five years. And, you know, we definitely feel that we have the, the technology and the capability to be able to provide that just because of the coming out of a pandemic um, and just with all with name, image, and likeness coming to the forefront and, you know, all these other things that are thrown student-athletes way, um, it's never been more needed, and we're just really excited to be able to help and leave a footprint. Eric uh, Poldrew of The Zone, uh, this is an extraordinary uh, uh, app that you guys have developed. Uh, and um, before I, I, I wrapped up this interview with you, and I think it's just been terrific, just please remind our listeners how they can find the zone, or they can find your website, or, or or whatever, because clearly this is this is a major step forward of using uh, technology to work with kids, student athletes who obviously want to have this kind of, uh, as I say, psychological safety net. Yeah, thank you so much, Rick, and I appreciate those kind words. Uh, um, you, everyone can find us at www.itsthezone.com. I T S T H E Z O N E dot com. Um, we respond directly to messages that are sent through the website. Um, and for those that might want to reach out to me directly, they can reach out at Eric, E-R-I-K, at itsthezone.com. Um, and I look forward to hearing from anyone that might want to, you know, help their organization and or school. Eric, I, I, I really thank you again for coming on on the Sports Edge uh, this morning. Clearly, uh, your app, uh, The Zone, couldn't be more, more better timed in terms of its uh, purpose and its, uh, and its mission. Thank, thank you again, Eric. We'll talk, I'm sure, down the road again. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Rick. Thank you. Take care. Now, coming up, I'll be talking with Barry Mano, the founder and president of the National Association of Sports Officials, to really try and pinpoint why the country has this growing lack of refs and officials and umpires. And more importantly, what are the, the possible solutions? Stay with me. Welcome back to the Sports Edge, everyone. Uh, okay, we all know that there's a very alarming and disturbing trend when it comes to high school sports officials uh, being available to work our kids' games. doesn't make much difference what sport it is. The simple reality is that there are just fewer and fewer refs, officials, and umpires available. Now, we all know this decline just didn't happen overnight. It's been happening steadily for a number of years. And while most athletic administrators are certainly aware of this trend, they have been hoping that the numbers 
but somehow stabilized. Uh, the problem is, of course, that the numbers keep going down. And not just in our immediate listening area of New York, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey, but this is happening all over the country. And as we all know, if you don't have refs, officials, or umpires, then our kids' games, their high school games, become scrimmages. And the truth is, nobody likes that. Now, Barry Mano is the founder and president of the National Association of Sports Officials. He's also the founder of Referee Magazine, and he's also a former and well-experienced Division I basketball ref himself. Barry, good morning. Good morning, Rick. Good to be with you. Well, thank you. And, you know, you've always been kind enough to come on my show in years past. Uh, when it comes to matters about officiating, uh, I always turn to you as the source authority. And as you heard my little preview here, I, I have a number of questions for you. And let's just start with the basics. Why, why has there been such a, a steady decline in refs and officials at our kids' games? Well, one thing it's important for the listeners to know, uh, there was a decline in the number of warm bodies coming into officiating before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. it's, it's been a challenge that we've had for the last couple of decades. And when the pandemic struck, it put an exclamation mark on that downturn. And then, uh, regrettably, uh, once the game started up again, post-pandemic, you know, of the people that stopped refereeing, a good 20%, 15 to 20% had made the decision not to come back. You know, you're, you're in a hubbub of officiating. You have a normal job during the day, and then you rush the games and fulfill those assignments. And when all that stopped, it sort of gives you some breathing room, right? And, and now you were able to say, do, do I really want to keep putting myself through this? Right. And 15 to 20% said, no. Uh, at this stage in my life or wherever I am, I, I really don't plan on coming back. So that exacerbated greatly the shortage that we now experience in sports officiating. Well, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned the fact that uh, the chronology of this is that the there has been a steady decline, not just in the last couple of years, but over the last several years, uh, predating uh, COVID and the pandemic, um, this was always sort of happening. The numbers were just beginning to go down and down. And again, I think it skews that uh, most of the referees who, who work the kids' games uh, tend to be over retirees over the age of 50, 60, or 70. And then, of course, you just said, when the pandemic hit, these, these, these refs said, well, that's it. I'm not coming back. I, I've, I've done. And it sort of, as you said, it sort of had an exclamation mark. It just sort of accelerated the, 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 uh, the downturn. So Yeah, and we have a – this is an aging industry, and I refer to sports officiating, having been in it now for 46 years, mm -hmm. uh, as an industry, we're a very graying industry. I mean, it used to be uh, back in the 70s, the average age of somebody starting officiating was something on the order of 22 years old. Today, yeah. it's 46 years old for people coming in. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's my next question. How, why, why don't we see more uh, you know, people signing up uh, to go through the training as an official in their 20s or early 30s? Why, why has that been such a um, – why is that not happening anymore? Well, I'm often quoted by saying uh, sports is simply life with the volume turned up. And <laughs> so in some measure, why are we surprised? I mean, it's, it's gotten – couple things. It's much more difficult to referee. You're under scrutiny like never before. Right. You now have the social media overlay. So you go out and work a kid's game or a high school game, and somebody doesn't like something you do, 
and then your name and sometimes your address now pops up on social media beating the crap out of you, you would think as a human being, you might look around and say, do I really need to do this? Yes. Why am I coming out here and putting myself or my family or my loved ones through this kind of turmoil to go out and referee a game? The second thing is, um, I think we're in a different age. You know, uh, to be a sports official is a very difficult undertaking. You really have to dig deep within yourself to go out and work games in front of crowds. Now, for many of us, that that's the lure of it. I mean, I have a speech I give, which is you have to love it when they boo. And I, and I mean it. You have to have that sort of outlook that you're going to go out there and get booed and, and sort of feel good about it. I don't think that we as a society, as a demographic, are bringing young people into that realm. It's a different world today. It's not, it's not the frontier anymore. It's not the Wild West anymore. It's a more urban America. And with that comes a more genteel, if you will, nature for some of these things. Well, let me ask you about that because, uh, again, no surprise uh, that we know that the the – the number of out-of-control uh, sports parents, even coaches at kids' games these days, has never been higher. And, of course, uh, you know, for years and years and years, I preached about this, that uh, we need to empower uh, the referees, the officials, the umpires to have total control and to enforce a zero-tolerance policy when it comes to um, stopping games and, and to basically pointing out the the uh, offensive individual in the stands and say, look, unless that person is escorted out of the, uh, out of the ballpark, uh, this game is, is either going to stop or it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be basically forfeited. I, everybody sort of agrees with that in principle, but when you get down to the nitty gritty of the games, um, it doesn't seem to be happening all that often. And, and I, I know, as you just said, Barry, you know, if, and I, I hear, I guess, the New York State to work a high school varsity football game. I think a referee might get paid one hundred and twenty, hundred thirty dollars, something like that. Are, 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 the, are the refs saying, you know, do I want to take for a hundred bucks or so? Is that worth the risk to go on and be uh, verbally assaulted, physically assaulted in the in the parking lot after the game? Is is that what's going on here? Is that really the major driver of this? Well, that's very much the part of it, and I need to disagree with the principle you just stated we we should not be in total control as the sports officials the game administrator has to be in total control we need to observe and refer we need to take care of business but it can't all fall on the sports officials certainly well, at the youth <laughs> and rec level i mean it, how, how can it I mean, I'm just going to say, we understand that the refs are working the game, and it's hard for them to sort of then focus on, on crowd control. Right. And, and, and in many places, Rick, uh, we have uh, non-existent or poor security. Now, well, this, isn't the, this isn't the case at high school. Certainly at youth and rec, it's an abominable problem where you don't have good security there. So now something untoward happens with the fan base at a game. What is a referee a 15 or 16 year old referee what is this person supposed to do well that's Who that's, that's to? of course that's that's the problem that uh, we see that again there should always be a disjuncture uh, some sort of security personnel at these games whose sole job is to make sure that parents behave themselves coaches behave themselves it's hard the reason why i said i want to empower the referees is because some most of the time those the security people don't step up they don't do anything 
to prevent these things from happening. They don't want to get involved. They don't want to confront angry parents. Uh, and I think right. that's... Right, and that's one of the reasons that we look at this undertaking and say, do we want to do this? I mean, we really trained ourselves to go out, learn the rules, learn proper mechanics, where to stand, get yeah. the right angle, enforce the rules so the game is fared fairly, uh, p- uh, paid fairly, and what, we're supposed to also be the main crowd control? I mean, we had that situation in Laurel, Mississippi, with Christy Moore, 12 and under girls softball that went viral. Right. Where, where during the game you had a, a parent slash fan using profanity, and finally it got bad enough that Christy had to eject that mom who then waited around the bleachers, and when the game got over, Christy's leaving the field, and the mom comes up and cold cocks her in the side of the face. I, what? It's, I, I, <laughs> and the problem with stories like that is that they're routine. They happen seemingly Correct. every week. And, and the mother in this case, who obviously was way out of line, as you said, waited in the parking lot to you know, get, her, get her two cents in with, with the, with the uh, umpire, and cold cocks her, and, you know, she got arrested, uh, but I think she got fined maybe $200 or something like that. It was like... Right, uh, and that, that case, by the way, because Christie's bringing charges, that case keeps getting peng, pending down in Laurel, Mississippi, and they keep kicking the can down the road. NESO is very interested in this case. We're ready to send somebody down there to testify in this court case to make sure that the world understands that this kind of behavior is unacceptable, and it's not going to be... Uh, a two hundred seventy-five dollar fine. Yeah, I mean, it, but um, it, it's this is the way it is today. And of course, what's caught in the middle are the referees, the umpires, the officials. So, uh, and friends, we're talking with Barry Mano, uh, who is the uh, the founder, president of the National Association of Sports Officials, and he's, as you've heard, he's right in the middle of all this. He's seeing this not all over the country. And and the question is, how do how do how, he how do we get more people, younger people? to join the ranks of, of officiating uh, when they see for themselves, you know, through, through social media and the news headlines that these, these people are being uh, subject to being verbally assaulted, they can be physically attacked, uh, and, and it seems like, well, why would I want to do that uh, just to give back to, to the kids in my community? I, Barry, how, that's the second part of this question, of, of this conversation. What are you guys doing? How, how, do, how, does this, how is this going to play out? In fact, let me ask you this before you get to that question. Do we see... Do we see that um, with all the various club and travel teams, and obviously those kids are, are playing games as well, are, are referees, are they being drawn to those programs away from the high school teams? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, in, in travel teams, youth and rec ball, uh, boy, you, you can go out and work three or four games that each have a one-hour time limit and make a very nice payday yep. and get on with it. The only challenge here is, Rick, that you're going into the very environment where this problem we're talking about is the worst. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not a huge problem at high school, and it's certainly not at college and pro. Where we have the biggest problem is sub-high school, which is youth rec club. And so, yeah, there's a lot more games. Uh, kids are being siloed into a certain sport, so they're almost playing basketball year-round, which means you can referee basketball year-round. So that is definitely a part of this whole environment that we're dealing with. So basically the number of games that kids are playing have all, it's all risen. It's a dramatic increase uh, of games. And obviously, as we just mentioned that, you know, a lot of refs are saying, well, I can make, I can work these club and travel teams uh, and, and make a, a decent buck. 
Um, and I don't have to worry about, you know, signing up for high school games or whatever. Yes, of course, there's always the underlying concern about, you know, crazy parents to deal with. But right. the fact is the number of games or the opportunities are going up, but, but there aren't many more refs. Um, so so what's going to happen here? I mean, what is, I mean, already I know like in the states like uh, in Tennessee uh, where they have high school football games on Friday night, which is pretty commonplace in the country, um, they don't have enough referees to cover high school football, so they're moving some of the games to Thursday night so they can spread out the referees. Um, these are real concerns. So, so what are you hearing? What are the possible solutions? Are there, are there any solutions? Well, there's, and you talked about rescheduling games, postponing games, canceling games. That's happening all over the country. Yep. I mean, you, yeah, you've got used to be Friday night lights. <laughs> well, now you can have them on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays because there aren't enough warm bodies to officiate. With respect to what do we do, um, NASO is very involved in this, as are many other organizations, including the National Federation of High School Associations, state associations. Um, I mean, many, many organizations trying to do something about this challenge that we face. NASO itself has to say yes to officiating program that it put together starting three or four years ago now, where there's a huge database of free resources to use to try to get people two things. One, to get them interested in officiating, and number two, to try to have some positive impact on the behavior of the parents slash fans, the players, and the coaches. Mm -hmm. And by the way, the biggest problem aren't the coaches, and the biggest problems aren't the players, for sure. The biggest problem are the players slash fans. Now, of course. Th that all sort of comes under what is education and what Barry calls moral persuasion. We've been trying to use moral persuasion for a long, long time to get people to settle down and understand that the game is played by the rules, and sometimes you're going to get a call you don't like, Sometimes you're going to get a call that's incorrect. Aren't those the very moments that our kids should learn something important, which is, guess what? When you go through life, personal, business, professional, once in a while you're going to get a call that's unfair. It's unjust. That's something so we, that, that you and I grew up is. with, and, and right. we, we bought into it and we accepted it. But, of course, in this right. day and age of, of uh, instant Not replay so and, and video stuff that, you know, well, kids say, well, it was a bad call, and we, can, we, should, we should not have to be subject to bad calls. But, right. So yeah. all, all of this work, and by the way, you're calling it bad calls. I call it incorrect calls. It's a difference. <laughs> but in any case, you know, what can we do besides moral persuasion? Well, now I'm going to say something that people are going to be unhappy with. And that is, uh, if we just can't get this in hand, then we got to walk away. We're going to keep doing moral persuasion, but then we got to get into the, the penalty enforcement phase of this. And by that, I mean this, that if you act out as a parent in a way that's a judge to be unacceptable, that not only is that going to affect you, but your kid's not going to be able to play. Yeah. Now, I know people hate to hear that. Yes. But I'm sorry. We've tried everything else we can do. And at some point, you as a parent have to understand that you, if you act out in a way that's unsporting-like and you get nailed for it, that is going to have a direct effect on your son or daughter being able to play. I'm sorry, but that's where we're going to have to go. Yeah, I, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, as you said, it's a very, very uh, you know, uh, disappointing end-of-the-road kind of discipline, but that that's obviously seems to be uh, the only way we can get parents to hopefully set, set up and pay attention. 
Uh, and I but, say you know, that because, as you pointed out earlier in the show, we are getting calls here at NESO and reports every week of a physical assault. Forget the verbal assault. We could get those every three minutes. But a physical assault against a sports official someplace in this country, we get reports every week. And we... Look, not everybody's reporting, by the way. No, I know that. That just, that just tells you how bad this has become. Barry, I just have about a minute uh, left, to, and it's an important question I want to uh, ask you before we wrap this up. The question about what, about finding other uh, newer, younger officials, uh, can, I mean, I've heard everything from perhaps making that part of a, part of a, um, a new teacher's uh, job description that you're going to have to be, learn how to become an official and work some kids' games. Um, <clears throat> Uh, does that, or going reaching out to kids in college and saying, you know, here's a way to make some extra bucks if you work some some high school sporting events. Do either of those have any promise at all? Uh, in all honesty, I don't think so. I think we need to we need to recruit older. We need to recruit from 30s on up. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think the younger kids are really interested, nor likely not up to this. To go into this environment, you know, it's not it's not going to be fun in the beginning. Too bad. Yeah. But I think you take you need to take somebody that has a more seasoned approach and the ability and the skill sets that come with age to be able to do this. There's a lot of older people, older in quotes, that are you know 28 years old and older that I think we should be recruiting much more strongly than we do trying to get 14 and 15 year olds. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Well. Barry Mano, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with me this morning to talk about this obviously increasingly pressing issue. It's going to be interesting to see how this stuff finally gets resolved one way or another because it's not going to go away. Barry, thank you again. You bet. Thank you, Rick. Good to be with you. Thank you. Again, it's Barry Mano, the uh, the president of the National Association of Sports Officials uh, based out uh, in Wisconsin. Okay, that's going to do it. For me and this edition of the Sports Edge, my thanks this morning to Pete Kennedy and to Ed Arzuman. Please stay tuned for the NFL preview, which comes up next, and I'll talk to you next week right here on Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.